0: to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick.
1: To the show. We are broadcasting live from Phoenix at the DRJ Conference, Fall uh, 2018, and we've been talking to exhibitors, guests, and speakers uh, that are here, and my next guest is Lou Seidel. Am I saying it right? You're saying I it right. I said it right. Great. From AccuWeather. From AccuWeather in State College, Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, during our break here, um, the colors are, the t- sorry, the
2: trees are changing colors, and it's going I know it looks beautiful in that area. It's going to be a great Fall for that color, that burst of color, all up and down the Northeast corridor. Oh yeah, and up
1: in my house in you know in Canada as well. That whole area is just going to look really rich tapestry this year, this fall. I think sure is. So tell us about yourself, Lou, and tell us about
2: AccuWeather. Well, a little bit about myself. I've been with the firm AccuWeather for 24 years, and I work in uh, business development. And our purpose of being here is we help companies and entities and business disaster. Uh, individuals, risk mitigators, understand the threat of weather and what it means specifically to their bricks and mortar locations. Mm -hmm. And that's the dynamic that we bring. The flip side of that is AccuWeather at large also has a huge following from our apps that are downloadable and our global presence, and, and we provide situational awareness for the consumers and for business entities. So AccuWeather,
1: let's say um, with the recent storms. Uh, you know, uh, which I know Pennsylvania got a lot of rain too, not as bad as some of the other right. uh, states. So, what? How did AccuWeather? What? What was your part in that? What did AccuWeather do for people like me? You know, who may
2: have been in some of
1: these communities?
2: Well, our part How'd in that is is again from the from the commercial side of the business. Our our current customers and future customers will rely heavily upon understanding the dynamics of that weather peril and how they are going to dramatically impact. Impact, that bricks and mortar location, the transportation of raw materials or finished mm-hmm. products, supply chain management, all the above. Uh, and on the consumer side, I, I think the buzzword is going to be providing situational awareness in a handset that somebody can rest assured that there is a severe weather event coming that they need to take shelter and be prepared. So does that mean you have
1: um, uh, what do you call them uh, notices that go out? You know uh, we do. Be, you know
2: what what kind of things do you tell people when these things come out? Correct. You know? On the consumer side, we have some subscription services, some free services that individuals can sign up for with their uh, prospective you know carriers that will pro- it'll provide them with that weather intelligence. So it's an email alert that goes out from a situational awareness standpoint. At a corporation, we work with the director of business resiliency we we staff extreme numbers to be prepared so that we're able to take incoming phone calls, handle briefings, one-on-one dynamics with that end user business customer so that they can understand the full impact or extent of that storm. Recently hurricanes, now we're migrating into uh, a little bit more of winter Mm -hmm. and, and those types of things. So our goal is to provide that weather piece, that weather intelligence so that end users and consumers Understand those threats at large. So, if I'm getting these notices, what should I do? You know, I read something that says, uh, "Oncoming, well,
1: potential hurricane Florence." Right. You know, let's go. Let's take a step back a, you know, a week or two here. What kind of things should I consider when I see that notice? Because, as we know, Florence progressed and you know, created a lot of damage. You know, so
2: the notices that are coming out change as well. Yeah, as a consumer. Um, the more impactful that that notice becomes the more defined As that event gets closer to landfall, and understanding the the intensity and understanding the timing dynamic that we send out, that's when the consumer needs to take heed. It's not that we're going to send out any red flags or false alarms. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of understanding the characteristics of each storm event and being able to identify them and send that information out in a fashion that's easily understandable. Number one, by a consumer, Mm -hmm. and then. We flip that over to enact business continuity and resiliency plans by a business entity for the downstream and upstream that might be impacted. So, with the business recovery plans uh, and these notices,
1: do you make recommendations? I don't mean you personally, but AccuWeather, you know, based on this, this is what we recommend you do, so that people can, you know, pull in their binders like the binder I've got in front of me, you know, and to page 20 and say okay based on what he's told me this is what i should kind of consider that, that, is, that is a great question
2: things? okay we don't tell a business entity what to do mm. and we don't tell a consumer what to do we are the experts in location-based weather so with that weather with that warning with that intelligence we hope that the consumer can make an informed decision mm. about their particular safety prior to that event and take the necessary precautions When we flip that over on the business side, working with the business professionals, we would hope that they would enact a plan that they have in place for A, B, C, and D, because those dynamics are pretty well-defined, and often sometimes what is missing is that real-time or proactive weather intelligence. So that's the different dynamic from the consumer side versus the business entity. So I could actually do exactly what I just said
1: and find out that, uh uh-oh, what Lou just told me, um, I'm not prepared for.
2: Not prepared. um, What do I do now? Honestly, (laughs) what we find when we go in to a business entity, some of the well-documented procedures based on that customer, they fail to implement a weather scenario. Because if you're running a business, seven figures are at large Your staff, your employees are exposed. We understand all that continuity and all those dynamics. Mm -hmm. But when is that weather going to take place? And where specifically will that weather hit? And secondarily, how long will it be here? What's the duration of that event? So those are the facets that we bring to that business entity, whereby the consumer gets that head up notice. It's right on. But really in the business world, uh, the dynamics of being in a show like this is we uh, explain and we educate and we teach the dynamics of how weather can impact that business continuity plan and work in concert with those plans. So with AccuWeather, and
1: I know um, you know weather events, by any chance, does that take in um, some of the risks that's out there now with climate change, or do we stick simply with what's happening here
2: now? Well, we, we stick with, from the warnings perspective, what's happening now. Hmm. Um, the climate change and, and the, the science behind all that is still developing, but historically, uh, we don't really have enough featured weather intelligence going back. Mm-hmm. We've got 50 years We've been here on the planet for a long, long time. Yeah, it's not so really as, a lot of information, is As it? those dynamics change and more information becomes available, if we look at things like regression analysis and probability of reoccurrence and these types of studies, that lends itself to what will be a better understanding of that question. With uh, events occurring around the globe, you know, which seem to be
1: on the increase, you know, um, maybe it's because of social media, so we hear about it more, um, and notifications, are you finding that more and more organizations, communities, individuals are becoming more dependent on the notices that you send out and you know, your set of eyes on what's
2: happening? They are, there's a huge demand, and you nailed it. With the social media, people always say, you know, Lou, uh, you know, are these happening more frequently? I don't think so. I think the social media aspect, people are reporting their lives in social media. Mm -hmm. So when you add a weather event or a potential weather event, that dynamic data becomes relevant in the anticipation of what that storm will do and how it will unfold. So all those dynamics weren't there 20 years ago. It was. Nice. I've got a radio. Yeah. I have the local television station, and I might have a newspaper that's 12 hours old because it was a morning edition. So when we add those dynamics into the picture, uh, we're really in a place now where social media and the awareness factor of am I involved in this at my position? It's right. kind of a me too factor. I want to understand what that is from the consumer side, and if we flip that over on the business side, as I said previously, the the continuity aspect of understanding that there are seven figures potentially out there in a footprint of a business entity. We're talking about structures. We're talking about assets, human intelligence that can't Mm -hmm. be replaced. And then we get all the way down to the product mix. So that is at large given any type of storm event in any time of the year. So I know we're
1: probably only have a minute left. What if someone wants more information on
2: AccuWeather? Is there a website, and an app they can
1: download,
2: anything like that? (laughs) And so a little little promotion here. AccuWeather.com is our consumer website and there's downloadable features there and we talk a little bit about our mobile aspects for consumers. AccuWeather AccuWeather Enterprise Solutions is the commercial division where we provide business intelligence and business solutions. Uh, We're here and we'll be here throughout the show uh, midday tomorrow. Uh, Stop by and see us if you have any questions. Uh, Either website has the consumer side and the business intelligence side, and that's why we're here promoting weather intelligence and weather usage by not only that consumer, but these business entities that have hundreds of thousands of dollars of risk exposure Mm -hmm. day in and day out.
1: And you're, you're kind of like the early warning system. Right? You you guys, you're you're tracking these systems by by what you do. You know, meteorologists, et cetera, and all all of that. You're letting people know in advance, this is coming. That is correct. You know, it's not snap of a finger you now have a tornado or no it's like no these weather patterns are being created be aware start doing something that is correct you add a lot of benefit to to individuals and communities and corporations
2: and and our forte is being able to deliver that information so that it's very easy to understand so we take the science and the dynamics out of it when we issue these types of warnings so that again it's, it's not a textbook statement it's something that people can be proactive to and react to. Well, thank you very much, Lou, for joining You're us welcome. from AccuWeather. Thanks for and, having
1: us. Uh, AccuWeather.com, right? AccuWeather.com. Yep. I actually have that one myself. So I hope everyone out there listening takes a look because it is you know adds a lot of benefit. Lets you know what's coming and helps you get prepared. You know, remember when we were kids, your mom would say, "It's going to rain later today. Take your raincoat." It's an early warning, right? And that's the that's the benefit you guys offer all of us. It is. Adam. So thank you very much for your time and for everyone. We will be right back.
3: you around the world right from your desktop voice are
0: you ready for a disaster if you are like many people in the world that answer may sadly be no
3: Does your organization lack proper leadership?
4: If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice
3: America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired.
4: Answer the call.
0: You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone road.com. Again, that's info at stone road.com. Now back to preparing for the unexpected.
1: And welcome back to the show. We are broadcasting live from Phoenix, Arizona today at the DRJ uh, conference, fall 2018. And we've been talking with different uh, speakers, guests, and uh, vendors here. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Lee Wells from Conexus. Welcome. Lee. Thank, Thank you. And Glad to be here. So tell me something about yourself. About myself. Yeah, tell us about
3: yourself, what you uh, do with Conexus, right. and tell us what Conexus does. All right, I can do that. I'm uh, Lee Wells. I'm uh, head of sales and marketing at Conexus. Conexus is in critical event communication. We kind of fundamentally believe a lot of companies focus on notification, mm-hmm. and that's obviously a critical piece, but we believe that when you're having any type of critical event you need to have communication throughout the entire process. You need to notify, you need to be able to assess the situation, and then you need to have an ability to communicate to coordinate some type of a response. Well, I, you know, you've probably heard this
1: before yourself that you know, if you have a disaster or some kind of incident, sometimes it's not the incident itself that'll uh, cause the impact. It's the lack of communication, which causes lack of coordination, which ends up causing you know, a bigger problem. Yeah, so uh, communication uh, is quite key.
3: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I love to tell the story of uh, everybody's seen the LifeLock commercials right of the guy who robs the bank and the security monitor falls on the floor with all the other people and they look at him and say, well, do something and he says, well, I'm just a security monitor. Well, that's kind of how I feel about notification, right? It's like, I'm going to tell people there's a problem but if I don't give them communication tools to work together to work with me to get that resolved then what really good have I told them, right? They probably okay. know that the hurricane's coming. They probably know that the building's on fire. Me yeah. telling them is not helping. Doesn't so help. We try to take that to the next level. So what does
1: Connexus do? Let's say I'm out there, looking for some sort of a, a tool. Yeah,
3: what does that tool offer me? What can I do? So that's your tool apart from others. Yeah, and there's 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 plenty of tools, and I, I would tell you, um, it comes back to what I said is communication throughout that entire process. So starting with notification, right? We have the ability, just like we're SaaS based software platform, you can access it via the via the web, via your mobile device, and you can create an alert send it out to a select group of people, draw a circle on a map, and alert all the people inside that circle, all the typical kind of notification stuff mm-hmm. that you have, we absolutely do that. The second key piece of communication is what is assessment, assess the situation. So we have tools such as polling or uh, for people on the scene to report back to the crisis people or to management what's going on in the scene. I so, was just gonna ask, how does it do that? So there's two things, one I can send a poll, are you safe, is the building on fire, and so people can reply back, that gives you quantifiable data. One thing unique about our system is that you can actually interact with those respondents based on their response, all within the same system. And then the second thing is that they have the ability to create incidents right from their mobile device. So if I am on the scene, I can send an incident back, create an incident report, send it back with pictures. Here's what's going on. Here's where I am. And one of the other unique things is that when they do that, based on the type of incident that they select, it will automatically route to the right people. So you may have things that need to get directly routed to HR or maybe to facilities or maybe to security. So you can always make sure, even if someone's under pressure, oh, who do I select in my address book? It takes right. care of that for you. It gets routed to the right people.
1: So does that work for uh, crisis management? Teams and crisis management team leaders Uh who are usually responsible for all
3: that kind of stuff. So you can always make sure I can build myself in as a crisis management leader, so that I always get every incident that gets created. So I could always get that.
1: Hopefully, you wouldn't get everyone because you know a real situation. (laughs) My goodness, you wouldn't
3: know what's. You could get overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. You know what do I pay attention to? What tone I pay attention to? Well, you also we also have built in a severity assessment. Right. So I could also route it based on the severity. I want every incident that's rated as a five plus or whatever I wanted to say So then I could. Control which ones I actually get. So now that I've got the assessment, right? How do I then mount a proper response, right? I got to get that response going. So um, that's where we have tools to help you the coordinate that response, whether it be group chat, all within this in the system, some type of a secure chat system. It's funny how many people we talk to who um, just use publicly available apps to do their like like coordination. Um, uh, I won't say the name, but
1: something book? Those yeah, kind of shapes. Yes. Uh, sites? Th- th- those, kind of, <laughs> those kind of chat
3: sessions, <laughs> right? So they're they're coordinating their business resiliency response or their disaster response on just publicly available platforms. Right. So we have a, a chat platform built into our system that obviously is secure, it's in, it documents, I it keeps just all that. that. So you can associate it with an incident. So if I have if I'm responding to Hurricane Florence I can I take all my incidents, all my alerts, all my chats associated with that all get connected to that, so I can look at that and report on that after to see what happened so that 's one thing, but probably the most exciting on the coordinate the response side of things is the group task list, so I can initiate a task list that goes out to the responsible parties on their mobile device, they can look at it, they can mark what's done, what's not done, they can leave comments, and then I can monitor that as a crisis response manager on the back end via my mobile phone or on my computer, and I can see what's been done, what hasn't, I, so I can coordinate, back to the whole coordinating the response, I can really look at what's been done, what hasn't, what do I need to do, Where do I need to deploy more resources, and really take a look at that.
1: So these task lists that are in there, are these Already predetermined within the application, or do I have to enter them you know, or you, upload my business continuity plan as an example, right. you know, or IT recovery plan or yep. whatever?
3: Is it those tasks? Yes, it is those tasks. So it's 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 specific to you. And so we we one of the things we help people do is take their business continuity plans or their disaster recovery plans and turn them into actionable ac- tasks. Oh, good! You get rid of all the fluff. Yes, all right. The all the, stuff all the, that what needs I to call that. the fluff stuff. Like yes, it's not actionable. Then it's fluff. <laughs> I think that's a great way to look at it. That's a great way to look at it. And I know you talked to the guys from uh, uh, RSA Archer. Yes. Yeah. Right? So one of the, the other thing is that we're, we're the, we can take information that's in their plans we connect to them and actually turn those into task lists that get delivered so we, we actually are the mobile extension for RSA Archer
1: oh that's nice yeah so uh, uploading just out of curiosity uploading these, these tasks it, does that mean I can just upload a word document or you know, an excel file how any, does that work Any or format, for it, it doesn't it, matter it
3: can be any of those it can be oh. word yeah, you can do it in our, our system if you want you can type them into our system we'll take word excel we'll take it from a and even from a variety of systems like Archer oh that's Good. What
1: about follow up? Well after a disaster has occurred? Are you able to receive stats? You know, how many uh, communications did we have that related to um, work, home recovery, and things like that to
3: understand where your communications are being focused and sure. if they're being focused correctly? Could you learn from what, what's going on? Um, yeah, we have the. We're not a reply, reporting platform, so we don't focus on that. But we mm-hmm. do allow you. Um, So if you take Hurricane Florence for an example, right? I can create that as a, let's look at, think of it as a file folder. And then I could have all my communications that went on associated with that Hurricane Florence and then I can export that out and put it into any reporting platform you want to and report it. But we've got all that information associated with that so that it enables that type of reporting. And
1: it allows me to then do my own assessment of what worked when I do my um, lessons learned. Yes. You know, we always had problems with... um, Work, uh, you know, communicating with people who were in their home, you know. Well, then now with all this information, I can go through and find out. Well, because we hardly sent any communication to those people; right. those people weren't you getting know, alerted, so right. they weren't responding to us. You know, but all the people who were in our. Miami location, as an example, you know, they all responded on time. Right, exactly. exactly.
3: Or or even people, right, Mm -hmm. if you do a poll, right, people who responded that they were in danger or that they were injured, well, maybe they all were part of one group, and I can track that back because, well, we didn't alert those people. We didn't notify those people that there's some type of a problem. So, or they were the last group to get notified or whatever it was, so you can make some adjustments that way. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's interesting you just brought that up. Um, People
1: that may have been in the same, uh, you know, roughly the same location that were impacted does it allow you then to just kind of say, hey, you know, this whole neighborhood there's a, or this facility, yep. depending on what the situation is. Government or enterprise, you know, yeah. That's, the, you know, that's been hit harder than we think it has because look at all the responses we're getting. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. It helps you, uh, I don't want to say proactively, but you know, uh, identify where maybe you need to
3: focus. right yeah absolutely absolutely does the last thing that I would add for you is um, the other thing we do is give people access to critical content so if you look at um, business continuity plans even more importantly maybe uh, incident response guides Mm -hmm. um, or uh, emergency response plans so how do I get access to those, right? We, do, we used to have them up on binders on shelves, which people oh, yeah. decided was no good. Now people are putting them into computers. But last time my building was on fire, I wasn't running around with my laptop in my hand. Yeah, exactly. But I did have my phone. So we, we give people access and house that content around people's mobile devices. And it's navigable for mobile devices and uh, it's role and location-based. So what you pull up as the site manager in Tulsa is going to be very specific to you, and you don't have to scroll through some big PDF to be able to see, well, what do I do in this case of a fire or this hurricane's hitting? So we give people the access through that entire process we talked about, notify, assess the situation, coordinate response. We give people access to the content they need to actually do their jobs during that part.
1: So it allows um, for multi-users in multiple locations because I may have a business-as-usual incident happening in Miami, let's say. For sure. Uh, you know, and I'll use Phoenix because we're here. Sure. Phoenix might have a big dust storm, which I know they've had recently. So, you know, <laughs> they We can both be using it at the same time for something else, oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Multi-user, absolutely. You know, ex- and as to your point, that as Miami uses it, they're just using it for their own areas, and which doesn't have any impact on what's happening in, in Phoenix. And Phoenix can use it without having any impact on communications happening in Miami, right? Absolutely for true. That.
3: Absolutely true. Absolutely. And just out of curiosity, does it cause any issues with that? Has there any problems where, whoops? No, 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 no. <laughs> so because it's, it's, a, it's a SaaS-based solution, and there's no, there's no overlap. We've never had problems with people doing things that impact others. Because it's, it's like I talked about, the routing of the information right. you know, is determined by who you are, what your role is, and what your location is. But you can do that. You could have a some sort of a notification that says, uh,
1: in Phoenix, you know, I want the whole company to know you can set yourself up that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you set yourself up, no, just these communications go to our Phoenix personnel. Yep, right, exactly. Can can you include that, um, your vendors and partners as well? Mm -hmm. You can add that, you know, notify them, hey, you guys don't send us any deliveries,
3: we're on fire. Yep, absolutely. That's a great example. Uh, Anybody you've got a phone number for or an email address, we can include.
1: Oh, that's great. And the nice thing is you can use it internally and externally. Yes, absolutely. Oh, excuse me, I'm losing my voice today. And I can't imagine why. <laughs> I know talking, talking way too bit. much. <laughs> um, so you, you can use it for your incident response, you know, um, your business as usual, B A U incidents internally. But you can also use it on a grander scale for um, when you need to contact uh, employees because of something like a hurricanes. Will you
3: stick with that example? Yeah, we we like to <clears throat> use the term critical event. critical Critical incidents because it it is can be everything from hey there's a snowstorm the office is closed today Uh, there's a product recall right quality incident it it could be really anything that is any type of an event that impacts a business all the way up to Hurricane Florence is coming everybody evacuate get out my brother lives in North Carolina he's a plant manager there and they had to evacuate their whole plant right Um, so uh, any of those things right so he's a manufacturing plant everything from how do How does somebody on the line report some type of a quality incident? To, hey, let's evacuate the whole plant. Any of those things are. And applicable I, and I guess that's got to
1: help too when it comes to you know um, all the pandemic stuff. Having an application like this um, will allow you know stop bringing people together who just make each other sick. You know, oh, but it sure. still allows for the communication <laughs> channels to continue. Right, absolutely. You know, so we have the one minute uh, we'll to go. It. Is there? How can people get a hold of Conexus?
3: Uh, easiest thing, probably, because the only thing people will remember is uh, Conexus.com right they give you a phone number and all kinds of stuff but just go to connexus.com all the information you need is there and it's easy to get a hold of us through that
1: well there you go so thank you very much for being on the show Lee from Connexus Uh, sounds like a really fantastic application that allows you to you know uh, communicate quite a bit and like we said at the beginning communication is the cornerstone without that everything's going to fall apart any process without communication does not work it's not a process at all it's just a mess exactly (laughs) well thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking to us. And everyone, we will be right back.
0: a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about easywaypromotions.com social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepretainment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E. Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention, if you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited
2: Do you think about what you really want? Are you looking to change or perfect your environment, your value, your life? We can help. Tune in to Everyday News with the Blantons. Hosted by husband and wife team Mark and Dr. Latasha Blanton, our program will help you find the answers to make the changes in your life with inspiring guests that can help you find your sense of place in the world and how you view it. Listen live every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: you are listening to preparing for the unexpected with alex Fuller. email your questions to info at stone-road.com again that's info at stone-road.com now back to preparing for the unexpected
1: And welcome back to the show. We are broadcasting live from Phoenix, Arizona, at the Disaster Recovery Journal Conference, Fall 2018. I'm very pleased to have my next guest because she's been on the show before, and some of you may have heard uh, her talk about what uh, good businesses are are doing with Mm -hmm. their successful programs. I'd like to welcome to the show Cheyenne Marling. Cheyenne, Mm -hmm. welcome back to the show, really.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me again, Alex, appreciate it.
1: And uh, for those who didn't know, Diane and I were actually on a speaker panel for the Continuity and Resilience Today conference back in May, I think that was. Yeah, it was May. And then uh, had, had you come on the show, that was a great episode, and a lot mm-hmm. of people actually listened to it, by the way. Oh, good. You know, lots of information. And you're speaking here, too.
4: Correct. Yeah, I actually had my presentation on Sunday.
1: Oh, it was Sunday. I yeah. thought, for some reason, I thought it was tomorrow. I don't know why. <laughs> but So, how did it go?
4: What It what? went fabulous. Um, we had a great turnout, great dialogue, um, focused on what the most mature programs are doing to gain a executive attention, but overall just really incredible dialogue in the audience. So,
1: I know we have a show on it, but... Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure lots have happened since then, and with questions and feedback that you've heard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, since then. What kind of things are these companies doing to to make themselves, you know, successful programs?
4: Well, what I found more than anything in the last six months is that a lot of companies are looking at their critical suppliers to make sure that their business continuity program is taken care of, and it, because it inevitably is going to impact their program or their company if something happens with an event. But what I've also came through in the presentation that I gave is that a lot of individuals said that their executives want to make sure that their program is up to par because they're going to be asked the same question from companies that they service. Mm-hmm. So the executives are more in tune with not only it's necessary for you know protecting your employees, protecting assets, but guess what? You may not get that opportunity with your client if you don't have your business continuity program in place.
1: Well, I guess it helps too because it's a selling feature
4: exactly right exactly so what are there
1: have have there been any new um, ideas or thoughts that have cropped up because I know you've talked about this a few times mm-hmm. you know um, at a great presentation have there been new things that have cropped up going, oh, that's an interesting way that people are, are thinking now. Like, Have there been some new ideas you know, that have cropped up? Because there
4: has. I think bottom line, I mean, business continuity, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray. There's not simply black and white of how you do things. It really depends on the culture of the organization. And what I'm seeing is a lot of companies are trying to take a different approach and really thinking outside the box. So you hear the terminology adaptive business continuity yes, yes. has <clears throat> really huge right now. In fact, one of my companies actually, we're doing a staff org for them, and they specifically said, you know what, that's great if someone knows how to do this, but we want them to be creative. Think outside of the box. Think about really being adaptive and what's going to work best with the culture of our organization and being proactively and thinking about something that can be scalable in the future. So really, those, those soft skills that people really need to tap into, not just checks and balances and doing it, but tapping into the soft skills and being creative and being strategic and having those relationships across the organization.
1: Well, I've had Mark and David on the show, the authors of, uh, yes. creators of mm-hmm. uh, adaptive. Of BC, and um, I'm hoping to get them on the show in the new year. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, with that, um, do you also think that uh, companies want to be a little bit more agile? Definitely. Because that's a big project management thing now, mm-hmm. agile project management, which means you know it's not the the typical waterfall, start, stop, and then start something else, stop. Mm-hmm. No, let's be more agile so that they can get things done faster.
4: Yeah, that's so true. And it ties into um, program management, but also change management and making mm-hmm. sure that the program's really integrated in, in, within the culture of the organization. So being scalable, being adaptive, but also being really a part of the culture of the organization and all the employees know what to do. Now, I remember
1: at the CRT conference you made a great comment about the industry is changing mm-hmm. and I know you just mentioned adaptive but mm-hmm. um, how do you think it's changing? Because I know you get a lot of data, Yes. You know, and, and you know, surveys which I've participated in. How are you seeing? Where is the industry going? Do you think, from what you've seen, you know, not necessarily what the data is showing, but from what your gut from
4: seeing all of this,
1: what do you think? Where do
4: you think there it's going? is a huge convergence with risk management? At the same time, there's also convergence with the security aspect because of cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so many companies will have the, the program positioned under different disciplines, depending on where it's going to get the most visibility within the organization, but I find that risk management is, is much more than even the security aspect, um, and ERM, ORM, but also because that third-party risk is within that pool, so that's really driving a lot of the executive attention and gain that visibility for the program.
1: Well, I, I know I have sat in a meeting a little while ago, uh, risk management, that was the, the key topic, and it used to just be the risk manager... Who talks about all finance?
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: now it, and some you know information security. Now there's privacy in there. Mm-hmm. Now business True. continuity is in there. Now there's and you mentioned Third the beginning party. vendors. Th- you mm-hmm. know, it's all in there. The industry is growing so much so how do how do we get our handle on that because it is growing so large you know what, what, what have you run into what have people told you how they're getting a handle on that because no business continuity professional or disaster professional whatever mm-hmm. whatever title you want to give them can know everything
4: so so true. You do need a well a team that's well rounded. I mean, one person can't do it all. Um, also, in the company, they're not taking on all the disciplines, right? You mm-hmm. could have information security underneath a different piece or silo within the organization, and then they're managing enterprise risk or third third-party supplier risk, business continuity, resiliency, crisis management. Um, but looking at your staff org model, you need to make sure that you have people cross trained, and then as a professional, you can really identify that opportunities that you're strong at that's the best suited for you. Um, but looking at the programs, I mean, usually companies will have a combination of any five disciplines. That's what our industry shows, this data. And those five disciplines could be anything from the risk, the, su- the supplier resiliency, to um, crisis management, to pandemic planning. So it's usually a combination of any of those five. So granted, there's a lot of aspects within the program, but you're not truly managing all those pieces. Right. You're interacting with, a, with someone else within the organization that has that piece or that component of the program.
1: So you've, you've got to work Together, you can't really just stay in your own silo exactly. anymore. You've mm-hmm. got to branch out to to know, hey, privacy folks, what are you guys doing? You exactly. know, exactly. Uh, you know, because as, as a DR person, you may have all kinds of information. You know, have got culture information, whether it be mm-hmm. on a paper or in a notification application. You know, you've got to work with them to make sure no one else gets access to so this. So true. Mm-hmm. You know, so where do you? What's your advice for for s- some organizations who may not have? Um, Let's call them not as successful mm-hmm. uh, programs that are struggling to really move forward. Where do you think they might be able to start? You know, look at look at this first before you try and create your plan if you're having problems. you know What would you suggest for some of them?
4: I would say making sure that you build that sound foundation. So if you're looking at a pyramid, if you don't have the solid foundation at the bottom, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to keep on growing and growing and adding to it. So going back, if you have to go back, look at where your program with the foundation is. Where is the program reporting to? Is that really the best fit for your program? Is it getting the true visibility of the program? Are you hiring top talent to mm-hmm. really... Put your program forward. Um, Our data shows that the most mature programs, eighty percent of them have individuals in a leadership position with more than eight years experience. You would expect that, but the Mm -hmm. immature programs only twenty percent have individuals with more than eight years experience driving the program with leadership position. That's a big difference.
1: So, with with that experience, are you finding more people actually getting into the industry now? Because I remember when I started, we all fell into the industry. Yes, we didn't go to school for it. We got it dumped in our lap. At some point.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are so many university programs are coming out that are emergency business continuity, risk management, resiliency planning. I am getting calls at least once a month from college graduates who are looking to get into this. They're, they're really? either graduated or they will be graduating soon. So yes, their professional individuals are choosing this as a career where, yeah, back in the day it wasn't the case.
1: So the, the makeup of the industry is changing and they're going to be bringing hopefully new fresh mm-hmm. ideas. ideas because mm-hmm. they're more familiar with the technology. Of course. And I spoke with someone earlier on today, us old dogs like me, you know, we we have all the foundation, but the, mm-hmm. the technology is new. Mm-hmm. And we have to adapt to that. And all these new people are coming in with all these new ideas and but they do know the technology.
4: Yeah, and they're evolving the industry, the profession.
1: So, um, you said something about terminology as well, if I mm-hmm. recall uh, with Adaptive and how that's changing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any comments on that? Because terminology, um, you may recall at our... Uh, our um, panel discussion our third person denise you know, banged on the table saying yes. terminology terminology what are your thoughts on on
4: that it's it's a challenge in our industry, but we really struggle the terminology piece. And if you're talking to your executives, and, and if you're throwing out acronyms, you need to be very aware of that. But as an industry as a whole, we struggle in our terminology. And it's one of my biggest frustrations in this industry. I think we need to all come together. I mean, essentially, it's it's very similar. There's different components that are different, but it, the terminology, you know, we need to make sure we're all speaking the same language. It's in essence very similar, but we need to get on the same page.
1: Yeah, and often when when it comes to terminology, we're we're saying the same thing but we're not Mm -hmm. simply because the terminology we're using we don't have the same definition translation of it so true right well we've come to the end of our segment thank you very much for joining me again Cheyenne thank you for having me I enjoy having you on the show as always Um, and everyone listening we will be right back
0: are you ready for a disaster if you are like many people in the world that answer may sadly be no CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at ciotalknetwork.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected.
1: And welcome back to the show. We are broadcasting live. This is our last segment, believe it or not. And I have, in my view, a kind of a celebrity as my, uh, <laughs> my my last guest here. I kind of had a celebrity with Cheyenne, you know, um, because a lot of people know Cheyenne. And I'm very, I, uh, the guests I have now, I've wanted to meet for a long time. And every time I'm at a conference where she is presenting and speaking, um, she's either surrounded by 20 people, so I can't talk to her, or when I see her, I turn around and she's gone in another direction because she's pulled away. So I'm very happy to finally get to talk and meet to Regina Phelps. Regina, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And thanks for those kind words.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. I've wanted to talk to you, like I said, for a long time. <laughs> now I know you're here at DRJ, and you have. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of presentations, don't you?
5: Yes, I'm doing, uh, this afternoon I did a crisis management team development uh, conversation or presentation. I'm doing a cyber breach exercise design workshop tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, I'm talking about what I call the golden hour, which is what you should be thinking and doing in the first hour of a crisis to avoid uh, calamities and worse things than that.
1: Making it worse than the situation you already have. Yes. Right? So uh, how about, uh, give us a little bit of insight if you can, without giving all the goodies Mm -hmm. but a little insight on on that, you know, the, the golden
5: hour. It's actually really interesting. So the golden hour is comprised of a couple of key things, but the first thing really is what's called situational awareness. Do you as a company have the vehicles, if you will, established, figured out the pathways to get information into the right people, to actually process it, display it in a way that decision makers can look at it, make some sense of it, and then make decisions? And most organizations are just really hindered. They don't really know where to go for the information how to validate it, how to get it in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like drinking out of a firehouse. There's so much information. How do you actually process it? How do you make sure that it's right? How do you put it in front of somebody's face where they can see it and then make some decisions? So situational awareness is huge. And especially with social media, it's even more challenging.
1: Oh, yes, because yeah. you, you end up with people um, sending off their own bits of information.
5: Right, exactly. I, I,
1: I don't know about yourself, but I've been in evacuation drills. And before you're even at the door to go walk down the stairwell, you've got half Right. you sending tweets. Right.
5: Exactly right. Yeah. And, so, and whether it's accurate or not or whatever, everybody's now a reporter and everybody carries a camera, mm-hmm. which they think is a cell phone, but it's really a camera, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, these days it
5: is. And it's connected to the internet so you can process information. Another key part of the golden hour is what's called the assessment process. So do you have a group of individuals who are pre-designated? They have clear roles and responsibilities. They have a set of criteria that they use. They know that they would then activate a team or a plan. And then you have the processes figured out. And so most plans that we offer audit, when we're looking at a crisis management program, you'll see this is what the crisis management team is, and all of a sudden they get activated. And you wonder, like, well, what was the step between A and C? B is missing, which is who came together, who made the decision, what criteria did they use, what process, and then they go so that's another key part of that golden hour so those are tea, without telling you my entire speech those yeah, are two yeah, key don't component tell the whole pieces thing. we've got to
1: keep people guessing as yes to what I want the them to be is. guessing
5: and getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning to hear me on Wednesday <clears throat>
1: well you're an early one I'm the early one yes <laughs> so some people are. will be looking at you oh, <laughs> yeah know, coffee good. Yeah. <laughs> you have a new book out
5: I do I'm super excited it's actually and on it's price, not your it? first no I've had this is my fourth so my other three books are all on exercise design um, my first book was published in 2000 and it's all about exercise design. And literally now it's used in about 50 universities as the textbook. I also have a companion book to that, which is how instructors can teach exercise design. And then my third book is on cyber breach exercises, how to design those. And the reason I did that beyond the exercise design book is that cyber breach exercises are fraught with peril. There's a lot of potential for finger pointing where the technology Mm -hmm. people are fearful about kind of revealing what really could happen and then executives are kind of frustrated because all of a sudden this occurs and oh my gosh we paid all this money to these people and why didn't they protect us and and it could be really problematic it's also very hard to get your arms and minds around a cyber breach because it's not like a what's what we call a soft disaster. So it's not tangible. It's not something that's easy to put your arms around versus a it's fire. It's not like
1: a hurricane. Exactly. Where you can see. Exactly. Yeah. A
5: hard disaster or what's called a physical disaster is tangible. Beginning, middle, end. Usually managed by emergency responders. You know exactly what's going on. But in a cyber exercise, what happens is that. Um, You don't know when it started. It could have been in your system. Malware could have been in your system for months or years. Yeah. yeah. You have no idea if it's over. You don't know what they got, and it, it, there's, it makes people super anxious, which is why I wrote about a book about that. My, my last book here is on crisis management. It came out this week, and it's basically my, uh, my 36 years of practice. It's dumping everything in my brain into a book about how you can develop a super powerful program, really build executive uh, support, really build a great team, and also uh, be prepared for whatever happens.
1: And does this contain some of that golden hour stuff? It does.
5: Ah. It does. It's got everything in it. (laughs) So people don't have to listen to me anymore or hire me as a consultant. They can just buy my book. Just buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy, right?
1: We only have a couple of minutes left already. I can't believe how fast the time flies. What would you like to say uh, about, you know, uh, disaster recovery, business continuity, the industry, because I know you're so well-rounded uh, you know, and, and have a lot of knowledge up here. Mm-hmm. You know, What would you like to share with our global listeners?
5: So a couple things. I think there's really a big migration from business continuity and enterprise risk, and that's been going on for the last 10 years, really since the financial impact of 2008. Mm-hmm. What I would say to my fellow colleagues in the field of either risk management, crisis um, management, business continuity, is the most important thing they can really think about is how to sell value about what they do. So what do I mean by that? Many times executives will say to me, what's the return on investment for this mm, work? Yes, yes, And that's really a deadly comment because we're like insurance. You don't know what you don't know. And you don't know if you saved money or you actually made it better. And there's no way to prove that. And so what I tell my colleagues is, you should be constantly promoting the value that you bring to an organization. If I was to meet you in an elevator and say, Alex, what do you do for a living? And tell me the top five things that you do for us. I would expect you to be able to immediately say all the great things of value that you provide, which could be something as 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 minor as um, maybe what you do is you develop great training materials to be able to train new people uh, because you use their business continuity plan and you mm-hmm. can actually use yeah. that. You might be say that you're um, you're uh, helpful for the sales effort because you can prove continuity and resiliency to potential customers and that you will be there for them when the bad thing happens. But you should be able to line up ten things that you think you do that provide Mm -hmm. value every single day because you should never say, wow, you'll be super happy when the bad thing happens because I did all of this. Because to be honest with you, Alex, the bad thing doesn't happen very often. And that's what makes our business difficult Mm -hmm. is that especially uh, in relation to crisis or business continuity, stop and think about it. Most of our clients, most businesses don't have a crisis every year, which is great. But on the other hand, it's bad because we never get good at crisis or business continuity or any of those other skill sets that belong under our title. It only takes once. It only takes once. And then people are like, oh, my gosh, why didn't we? Why didn't we? Why didn't he?
1: That reminds me of an expression. The hardest thing about explaining why you didn't plan for a disaster. uh, The hardest thing about it. Oh no! I'm getting it all messed up. <laughs> the hardest thing about explaining uh, a disaster is explaining why you didn't plan for it, Yep. yep. You know, or something along those lines. Yep, yep, yep. You know, yep. I think it's Winston
5: Churchill that said that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, there was an expression. I think that's where I, I heard it, but mm-hmm. I know I kind of didn't say it right. Yeah. You know.
5: <laughs> well, we, we got it. Though. You got we the gist of it. Yes. Got it.
1: So we. I've just got told we have two minutes to go. Any mm-hmm. last thought?
5: Well, you know, I, I would just say that um, the work that we do is super important, and that's how I would really ask people to really think about it. What What we do every day makes a huge difference in the ability for a company to recover, for people to continue to have their jobs, for that business to be able to provide a livelihood in a community. And so what we do is super important and to sometimes step back and really take a look at that. We need what we do for a living. And I think we need to, again, promote it, educate people. You want to engage your executive sponsors at all times. And one of the things that I love to do is I like to use Google Alerts. So, uh, for example, when you have Google Alerts, what you can do is you can always establish the key things that you know that your executive might be interested in or the crises of your area, and then put that in Google Alerts. And every day, Mama Google will send you a great list of things. Then you can use that for what I call overt and covert marketing. Overt Mm -hmm. is where you basically talk about it openly but covert marketing is even more important Will you slip that into your executive's email your executive sponsor's email and go thought you'd love to know about Gets this yes. yes, and you constantly <laughs> promote what you do yeah. that's important because our communities need us
1: well we're going to end there I think that's a perfect comment to end on thank you Regina for joining us Alex um, my pleasure I have an open invitation to you to be an actual guest on the show if you want for a full episode I'd love, to, love do that. to talk to you and pick your brain because I know you have a lot of knowledge. Um, I want to thank Regina and all the other guests that uh, I've spoken to today. There's been quite a few. And I certainly want to say thank you to Aaron, Ryan, and Dee uh, from Voice America who helped put all this together. Yeah, take a bow, guys. Even though people can't see you, take a bow. (laughs) And thank you, everyone, for listening. And in the meantime, everybody, stay prepared.